Welcome to Beyond the Bridge with psychic medium and animal communicator, Samantha Jones. We are glad you are here and hope you enjoy the next hour where Samantha and her guest will help connect you to the magic of the universe, as well as to your loved ones and pets, both here and beyond the bridge. And now, Samantha Jones. Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Bridge. I am Samantha Jones, and I am so glad that you are here today. I am so excited about today's topic, so I hope that you're having a wonderful day and that you are excited, too, because today we are going to talk about zoo animals and my trip to one of, well, my favorite zoo, actually, and I got to talk to some of these animals. So today we're going to talk about that. Last week, I had my friend and very good psychic medium and animal communicator, Lee, on the show, and we talked about energy healing and chakras and Reiki. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, I would definitely go back and do so because I think we gave some really good tips on how to help control even your own energy and balance your own chakras. And we're going to do another episode too soon so that we can talk about these things um, more in depth and get you more familiar with chakras and stuff like that. But let's go on to today's topic, because like I said, I'm super excited, as you can tell. So this last week, I got to do something really exciting, which was go to my favorite zoo, and that is the Santa Barbara Zoo. And one of the reasons that it's my favorite zoo is because it's very nostalgic to me. My grandparents used to take me there all the time as a kid. They loved Santa Barbara, and it was a you know nice thing that we could do together, so I can't even tell you how many times I went there as a kid. And when I first moved back to Southern California from Las Vegas, the very first place that my best friend and I went, like a big place like that, was the Santa Barbara Zoo. And I fed giraffes for the first time. And it was a wonderful experience. And now I'm getting ready to leave Southern California. And I'm thinking about the things that I'll probably never do again. And so I thought, you know what? I'd like to go to the Santa Barbara Zoo again. And so my best friend and I went. And I didn't tell her until we were on the way there that I had picked this place to go, not just because of the nostalgia with my grandparents and with her, but because I wanted to talk to the animals. I get asked so often about animals in zoos and if they enjoy their lives and all kinds of questions. And so I feel like it's important to answer those questions. But the only way that I can do that is to actually go to a zoo and do that. (laughs) Now, I picked one of Well, I would say it's the nicest zoo I've ever been to. The Santa Barbara Zoo is very small. It's only 30 acres compared to like if you have ever been to any of the other larger zoos in Southern California, the LA Zoo is 133 acres and the San Diego Zoo is 100. So this is very, very small. And if if you have a zoo in your area, you can look up the acreage of that and that'll tell you how small this zoo is compared to yours. But what's nice about that is it makes it so that you can see a lot of animals in a short period of time. It's it's not you know treacherous to walk through and it's beautiful. This this zoo is absolutely beautiful. They keep things just uh, meticulous and and clean and I love it there. So um so yeah, we went I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the zoo first. I because I want to talk about like I said um, the the way that people feel about zoos compared to the way that animals think. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the Santa Barbara Zoo, a little bit about zoos in general, and and how to know if the zoo is good or bad. And then we'll go into in the next two, the second and third segments. I'll talk about my specific interactions. I think I interacted with 
I don't know, uh, six to 10 different species. And they all had some really great things to say. And I got to um, feed the giraffe again, which was one of the highlights. So, so anyways, let me tell you a little bit more about the Santa Barbara Zoo first. So like I said, it is small compared to the larger zoos, but it's well known for its focus on providing high quality care to the animal residents. The zoo is accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, the AZA, which means it adheres to strict standards for animal welfare, conservation, and education. Some of the highlights of the Santa Barbara Zoo include its diverse collection of animals such as lions, giraffes, and primates. Visitors can enjoy various exhibits that showcase both local and exotic species. The zoo also features a captivating environment, which encourages guests to learn about wildlife and conservation efforts. Additionally, the Santa Barbara Zoo actively participates in conservation programs and educational initiatives. They work to raise awareness with endangered about endangered species and about the importance of protecting natural habitats. So I think, first of all, that it's very clear when you walk into a zoo and it's a it's a okay zoo or a not okay zoo. You may not know how the animals are feeling yet or the quality of food or anything like that. But I think it's really clear when you walk into a zoo and see how these animals, what their habitats look like, what their enrichment looks like. And that will definitely tell you if a zoo is good or not. I have been to uh, probably the worst zoo, and I don't even think it's there anymore, was the one in Las Vegas. And I don't even know how you could call it a zoo. All of the animals look miserable, and I'm so glad I never used my abilities there. So I would never have recommended that one. I knew just walking into that one. But walking into the Santa Barbara Zoo, it's an entirely different feeling. It's just, it's like home. It's this really um, small community that just, it's welcoming. And and so it's definitely, if you're ever in Southern California and you're going to go to a zoo, I would recommend the Santa Barbara Zoo. They do really talk a lot and focus a lot in things around the zoo about the conservation of the animals, if it's an endangered species, they try and educate. And I think that that's really important as well. And they they try and make it fun. Like they compare, you know, this and that. And, and it just makes it a more interactive type environment where like, I remember the Las Vegas Zoo not being anything like that. It was just one animal exhibit after the other with like their name and that was it. <clears throat> so you can definitely tell a lot just by looking at the zoo. But let's talk a little bit more about zoos in general and and what their missions are and and what the misconceptions about them might be. So the mission of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, the AZA, is to work together with accredited zoos and aquariums to manage the population of certain species outside their natural habitats. They do this through a program called the Species Survival Plan, or SSP, which aims to ensure the well-being of these species. There are about 300 of these in the SSP programs, and the Santa Barbara Zoo is one of them. They are responsible for creating plans to manage the populations of, of specific species in a way that maintains genetic diversity and a healthy mix of different age groups. So I think that this is important. Like, I really honestly didn't know, like, I know there are, there are, um, doing, you know, conservation and, and responsible breeding. But this is all kind of new to me. I'm just learning about what 
these programs are as well. So I am very glad to know that there are these types of programs and that there are zoos that are really trying to uphold their standards and do the absolute best for the animals. So if you want to go to a zoo, you might want to look up what zoos are involved in this association of zoos and aquariums and the species survival plan as well. But the ultimate goal of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums and this uh, SSP program is to ensure the survival and well-being of endangered and threatened species. They aim to manage the populations of these species in a way that maintains genetic diversity and a healthy mix of different age groups. By doing so, they hope to contribute to the conservation and sustainability of these species in the long term. The AZA, along with the accredited zoos, aquariums, and other related facilities work together to protect these animals and their habitats to prevent extinction and promote a healthy future for these species. So one of the biggest questions that I think people ask is, where do these animals come from? Where are the animals in the zoo? Are they going to the wild and picking a giraffe out of the wild in Africa and shipping it? to the United States. Well, once upon a time, that's probably is how these creatures got here. And that really stinks, but they're here now and you can't put them back into the wild. Those ones that may still be in from that kind of situation. But for the most part, I think that most of these animals are some form of um, breeding program or conservation type things. So so where do these animals come from? Most reputable zoos and aquariums follow the ethical standards and guidelines set by organizations like the AZA and the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums. These guidelines discourage the capture of animals from the wild for display in the zoos, especially for species that are endangered and threatened. Instead, zoos prioritize breeding programs and cooperative efforts through programs like the SSP, SSP program to ensure a sustainable population of animals in captivity. They focus on conservation efforts, edu education, research and rescue and rehabilitation of injured or orphaned animals. <clears throat> so sometimes you might find like there was a squirrel at the Santa Barbara Zoo and it's like, well, why do you have a squirrel there? Well, my guess is that it was probably injured. And so they they kept it there because it wasn't any kind of exotic squirrel. It wasn't a ground squirrel, but it wasn't like a real exotic squirrel. So you know, certain things are just, they are, they're injured. They can't be re-released. They really, I feel like these zoos, these ones that are in these programs are really trying to do their best by the animals. And they do get a bad rap because, yeah, in the past, especially like, like if you're like me, a Gen Xer or a, or a boomer, you probably remember when these places were just absolutely horrific. They would have a tiger in a small cage pacing back and forth, back and forth. Now it's different for the most part. These zoos really have learned how to take care of their animals better. They have um, made their, their spaces bigger. They really have gotten into the enrichment. The enrichment is something that I don't remember seeing a lot in zoos when I was younger. And that is the type of things that keeps their minds stimulated. So like, instead of Okay, for maybe like a river otter, instead of just giving them a piece of fish, they might put a piece of fish and like freeze it in like a big ice cube. So then there's the enrichment of trying to get the fish out of the ice by melting the ice cube, but they don't know, you know, how long it's going to take. So it keeps their mind stimulated. Or like you might see with the elephants that they have certain things, certain toys that they can play with. 
So zoos that really are involved and care about their animals will have a lot of enrichment going on. One of the things about the Santa Barbara Zoo is that they have a train that goes around and it takes you behind the scenes. And you don't see much, but you drive by this one area that uh, it's an enrichment area where they take the animals for specific enrichment. And I thought that's amazing because not only are they doing it in front of people because you can go there and watch them doing certain enrichment things with their animals, but you they're taking them back behind the scenes and doing those things with them, which is so important because like, if you think about it, like, let's go back to those river otters because that was actually one of the first animals that I saw there that day. When we got there, they were eating. They don't just put the food in the bowl and all of the river otters go and eat out of the bowl. They get they make it foraging. So what they do is they put it like in rocks or in plants or whatever they had. Like, um, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was like this shallow area of water. And then there were rocks and, and just places where they could put the food in. And that's enrichment because it's stimulating their mind. Because if you just put food in a bowl, what does that do? That's what they do in the wild all day is they they search for food and you know keep themselves protected and the things that wild animals have to do. But when they don't have to provide food for themselves, then boredom really sets in. So good zoos will provide the enrichment in the other types of things like toys and stuff like that. But also as far as the food goes, some zoos will also allow you to watch them feed the animals at certain times of day, which I know the animals really like as well. It's very interactive. So, so these are definitely ways to know as well that the zoo that you're going to is, is good or not. I learned a few things on this trip to the zoo. One of the things was I was really excited to see the elephants. The elephants are one of my favorites and there weren't any. And at first I was bummed, but then I, I realized that this was for the better because and I have it in my notes, so I'll bring it um, up somewhere later. We'll talk about it more. But they had two elephants that were sisters and they both have passed away now. They they lived their lifespan and they passed away. And the zoo is too small to have more elephants. So because there are no standards, thankfully, there are standards set in for if you're going to have elephants at your zoo, this is the amount of space you need for them and the enrichment and different things. And the Santa Barbara Zoo just does not have that kind of area. So they actually took it out. And I believe what was in its place, if my memory serves from when I was a kid and the elephants were there, is they put this walkabout, this Australian walkabout, which I'm so excited to talk about. And we're going to go to break in a few minutes. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about uh, the animals that I, I talked to. But that Australian walkabout was so cool because you got to walk through the with the animals that were just, they were just out. They weren't in a cage. It was a big cage. You all were in a big cage. And it was like pathways and trees. And there were kangaroos and wallabies and emus. And I was just in heaven. I could have stayed in there all day. So that's definitely a better use for that area than to house two elephants that are really not, you know, or however many elephants they could have had. It's just so much better. And um, I think that that is one thing that with the, the so-called bad zoos, like I did a search for a list of the best and worst zoos. And it was very interesting because some of them were, some of them were saying that one zoo was the best zoo. And then it was also on the worst list. So for example, the Henry Dorley Zoo in Omaha is ranked very high as one of the best zoos. 
but I also found it on some of the worst li- the worst lists. And usually that's because of the elephants, because of the size of what they have there for them and, and all the other things we talked about. So I think that you can definitely judge a zoo a lot by their elephants. If their elephants are being taken care of properly, then it's probably a good zoo. Or if they don't have them at all because they don't fit into those requirements, then there's another way. Um, A few of the zoos on those lists, other ones, the best, San Diego Zoo. I've been to San Diego Zoo a few times. It's very large, but it it is a good zoo. The animals have very large habitats. Uh, Cincinnati Zoo, Columbus Zoo, Dallas, Denver. These were all on list of good that I did not see them on the bad list. The Bronx Zoo was on both good and bad. Um, The Oregon Zoo was listed as the top worst zoo in the United States. And I only did the United States because I'm afraid to see what zoos in, in other countries might be like. So I just did the United States. But yeah, the Oregon Zoo, from what I read, don't go there, uh, Natural Bridge Zoo, Bronx, and the Pittsburgh, those were the top four that I found of the worst zoos. Now, I haven't been to any of these on these lists except for the San Diego Zoo, which I can vouch is pretty good. Uh, I really would like to go to Cincinnati and to Columbus. I'm not sure if it's both of them, but Jack Hanna has a lot to do with one of them. And I love Jack Hanna. So it's on my list. So if one day I get there, I will absolutely report back to you all. So, so let's go ahead and take our break now. Cause I'm really excited to come back and tell you what the animals had to say to me. So stay tuned friends. We will be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Have you ever suffered grief from the loss of a loved one or pet? Do you ask yourself questions like where did they go and what are they doing? Do you have guilt for things left unsaid or feel the need for answers about the loss you never received? Join Samantha Jones, psychic medium and animal communicator, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, where her and her guest will discuss all things beyond the bridge. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back 
to Beyond the Bridge with Samantha Jones. Have a question for Samantha or her guests? Or would you like a reading? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Samantha. Welcome back, friends. I am so glad that you are here because we are talking about talking to the zoo animals. And I now I'm going to share with you some of the things that the animals told me. And this was quite the experience. I would love to do this more. Like I could work with zoos in this way and talk to their animals and help them because there were things that I picked up that day that if I would have felt comfortable talking to the animal handlers that I might have brought to their attention. But, you know, how does that sound? Some lady comes up to you and goes, excuse me, I'm an animal communicator and your flamingo over there is having some body pain and arthritis. And they'd probably be like, um, OK, <laughs> so but I would love to do it. I mean, I really would. I, I had so much fun. And my main goal of this was to answer the questions that I have been asked so often about how animals feel about being in the zoos. So that was what I set out to do. I wasn't sure exactly how this was going to go, because like I said, I had never done this before. There's a small zoo here by us called the Moore Park Zoo, and it's a college where they train you how to do animal training and stuff like that. And and I had been there since I, I really um, built my abilities but I didn't do this. I only talked to a couple of birds. So this is a very different experience. So I was not sure what to expect. There were certain things I did not think about. Like um, when I talk to an animal, I usually close my eyes, at least until I have a good connection. And a lot of times too, if the animal is there, what I'm saying to them in my head, I will also say out loud. So I noticed myself doing these things with people around and I started getting shy. And so then I would find like the animals that didn't have anybody around, which was fine because they were all very interactive and it and it did work out very well. But these were some things that I just didn't think about ahead of time and, you know, live and learn. So when we walked into the zoo, the very first animal that they have are black swans and I think that these swans are new. I don't remember seeing them there before, but they were breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. They're, I think they're one of the largest species of swans and their their feathers were just gorgeous. And I wasn't really like warmed up or ready. We hadn't, I'd just gone there, wanted to get something to drink and go to the bathroom and all that. So I didn't talk to the swans when I came in, but I did talk to them when I left. And they really weren't like super duper interactive. They really didn't even realize the type of setting that they were in. Now, some of these animals are in enclosed in cage, enclosed cages, but the swans were not. They were just in like this river thing. And so they didn't even realize that, oh, this isn't normal. For them, I feel like a lot of these animals, and, and a lot of them did say this, it's just as entertaining for them to watch us as it is for us to watch them. And these swans see everything. And so they that was something that they talked about. One of them talked about that occasionally people will throw things at them and that's not nice. And I'm sure that they were talking about children, uh, but that's a good point to bring up is, you know, if you take your kids to the zoo, shouldn't be throwing rocks at animals or anything else for that matter. 
But going on from the swans, um, if I remember correctly, the next animal that we went to were the otters. And I've talked about that a little bit. They were so enthralled with their food. It was still feeding time. But so one of the things that I did since it didn't feel like they were super talkative because they were eating is I just wanted to feel their energy and I wanted to try and kind of hear what was going on inside of their head. And they were talking to each other. Like I could tell that these animals were talking to each other. Um, Really, at this point, it just felt like it was about food. It wasn't anything super exciting. They seemed to be very content with what they were doing. So I moved on from them because they were just, you know, in their own world. Um, One of the things that we came on after this was flamingos. And I love flamingos. I love to look at them. They're so interesting because what we think is their knee is actually their ankle, if I remember correctly. And so you look at these creatures and it looks like they're, you know, their ankle or their knees, I'm sorry, their knees going backwards, but they're just fascinating. But I was just looking around and trying to absorb, because there were so many of them, trying to absorb their different personalities. And I came upon this one who was older. And this is the one I was talking about that I would have loved to have said, he's got some some um, pain in his feet and things like that, that I was picking up. Um, just little different things from different ones about what they plan to do next. Kind of eavesdropping, I guess you would say, on what their thoughts were. The flamingos weren't, it didn't seem all that they interested in engaging with me. So again, I just kind of went back to what are their thoughts? How are they feeling? I wanted to see physically how these animals were feeling as well. And I felt like for the most part, these flamingos, there were no issues, no health issues, except for a couple of older ones. Um, But for the most part, they felt really healthy. They felt like they were taken very good care of and fed, fed the proper diet. I didn't feel anything with them that made me think that they were unhappy with the amount of space that they had or that they felt enclosed in any way. They felt like this was home and this was natural. And that's something that I think that we forget. We think a lot like humans. So think about this for a second. You're a human and you live in a human zoo. And this is all you know from the time that you are raised as a baby. All you know is being in a human zoo and that on the other side of these bars are animals that are watching you. You don't know any different. You don't know any better. You're not sitting there thinking, oh, these these animals have paid to see me in this zoo and turn that right around. The animals have no idea what you're doing there. (laughs) Maybe now they do. Um, But they don't really understand that they are in a zoo for the most part. You're more enrichment to them than anything. Now, there are exceptions to this. Some of the smarter animals, they absolutely do realize what's going on. Um, But most of them, for the most part, do not. These flamingos have absolutely no idea what's going on. This is their home. They are happy there. They are not longing for someplace else. I'm sure that this is different when you have animals that were taken out of their natural habitat and forced to live in a zoo. But like I said, that really isn't something that we're seeing here anymore in these good zoos. I can't talk for all of them, but like the Santa Barbara Zoo, that's not what's happening here. So these animals feel at home. This is what is normal to them. And zookeepers are, for the most part, everything that I felt from the zookeepers that day, because I did try, I talked to a few of them and I did try and kind of read not just their energy, but their body language, how they felt. 
And I do know a couple of animal handlers and zookeepers myself. And I know that these animals are very important to them and that they are taught to, for the most part, specifically care for the one animal that they take care of. So the handlers for the lions, that's the animals that they stay with. The handlers for the giraffes, that's the handlers that stay with them. At least that's what I understand for the most part. And so that allows them to really get to know their animals. Now they might move them around and stuff like that. But like, I have a friend that works at a zoo in Colorado and she went through the Moore Park um, program here. And I remember they, uh, when she was working at Moore Park Zoo, they put you through all the animals cause it's teaching. But now in Colorado, I can't remember exactly what she said she was working with. It might be the porcupine, something like that. But specifically she does have an animal that she is working with. And, and she was our dog's pet sitter when she lived here. She's an absolutely wonderful person. And I can't imagine that she's doing this job for any reason other than she loves the animals. And I think for most zookeepers, that's it. Because you can't just walk into a zoo and get hired off the street. You have to go through schooling and all of that. And there's always the exceptions. But I really feel like if you talk to some of these zookeepers about their animals, they would shine they would shine so bright because they love their animals. They really do. So, okay. So that was the flamingos. Um, the penguins. I love penguins. And it's funny because my sister's a big penguin person and my mom was too. So this is always an animal that I'm drawn to. Every time that I go to a place that has penguins, I could just sit there and watch them. They're so fascinating. And my best friend, Allison, that went with me, she was kind of the same. She just liked to sit there and watch the penguins. And so we were there for, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, just watched them. And I tried to communicate with some of them. And there was one that I just stood, uh, saw standing by itself there. And so I started talking to that one and he was waiting for food is what he was telling me. I think they were all waiting for food at that point. They were on alert. Nobody wanted to do anything except wait for food. Like there was nobody swimming or anything. And then all of a sudden, once I started talking to that one, they decided to swim. And I told this one that I was talking to because Allison said to me, I want to see one jump off the rocks. And so I said to this one, I said, my friend here would like to see you jump off that rock. And I swear to you that he, that one that I was talking to, he crossed the bridge because it was like a rock bridge. He went over the bridge and he stood at the end of the rock and he acted like he was going to jump off. I even have a video of him standing there and Allison and I are going, do it, do it, jump, jump because he just looks like he wants to do it so much. And then there's a distraction. Then the gate opens that they think is the food gate. And he goes, he doesn't jump in. He goes back. The ones that are in the water, they all go back. They were very, very focused on food at this point in the day. So actually having conversations with some of them at this point wasn't the easiest thing, but it was very cool to, to listen to them, to tune into what they were thinking, what they were waiting for. And like I said, at this point in the day, it just seemed to mostly be food. There was no, there were no issues. There was no penguin telling me they didn't feel good or they didn't want to do this or they weren't happy here or anything like that. Nothing that made me feel that they weren't being taken care of. The next one that we got to is this Australian walkabout that I was talking about before. This was a complete shock to me because this was new since the last time that I was at this zoo. So I had no idea. All of a sudden I saw this like, you know, where you like open one gate at a zoo and then you stand in the middle of the two and you wait for the one to close so that nobody come. you know, the animals don't come in. Well, I saw this and I was like, okay, I know if you go in those gates, there's something on the other side that there's no fence around us. And I saw things of, of wallabies and 
oh my goodness. I got so excited like a kid in a candy store and ran over there and and we went into this exhibit. And I at first I didn't see anything, no, no kangaroos or anything at first when we walked in. The first thing that I saw was this little emu exhibit, and they weren't without um fencing. These two were behind fence, but they were little emus, they were just babies. So they probably didn't know how to act in this big open environment. But what was cool was I love emus. I think that they're very amazing creatures. And so I wanted to see what this one had to say. And so there was nobody around. I went up to the fence and I kneeled down in front of it and I called him over, not with words, just with my intuition. I just tuned into him and he came over to me at the fence and he stuck his nose out through the fence. I wish I had a picture of this. Like as soon as it happened, I was like, Allison, take a picture, take a picture. And she was getting her phone out, getting ready to do it. And then he walked away and I'm like, oh man, because he was there for probably a good 30 seconds. And we were just eye to eye and we were talking to each other. And uh, he was mostly involved in food. He was very interested in food, very young mind. When it comes to these young animals, it can be difficult to talk to them because they are such babies. But I think he was totally enthralled with the fact that I could talk to him because he was just looking me at me in the eyes. And it was like, whoa, whoa, like, I can't believe that you're talking to me right now. I did have that reaction from some of the animals there. I was surprised to get it from one this young, but it was so cool. That was like one of my favorite parts of the trip was just coming eye to eye with that emu. And we would have been eye to eye if that like fence wasn't there. We would have been right there. And he was just so cute and so sweet. And I'll have, ah, I wish I could go back maybe at some time and talk to him, but you know, is what it is. Then moving on from there is when I started to see the wallabies and I was thinking there's no way there's kangaroos in here because kangaroos are so big and they're, they can be very aggressive. And I thought, would they really put kangaroos out with people like wallabies? I had a friend once upon a time that owned wallabies. And so they're, they're smaller. They're like less than half the size of kangaroos, I think. Um, And they're not, they're not like, you know, as dangerous to you as a kangaroo that one of those things kicks you in the stomach and whoo. But all of a sudden, there they were. There's kangaroos, full-grown kangaroos walking around, and wallabies and emus. And there were a lot of people in there. So again, I was trying to find the places that I could go where there weren't a lot of people. And so I saw this bench that was kind of by this one kangaroo. He was laying on his side, and he was like doing this look. It was so cute. I have a picture of it. Um, it, it kind of looked like that, that beer drinking guy that says, I don't always drink beer or whatever. He, he had that look on his face and just the cutest thing. So I snapped a couple pictures with him and then I went and sat on the bench by him and I just started talking to him and I wanted to see if I could get some of these animals to come to me, which I know may sound crazy, but here I am in this enclosure without any fencing between us. And I wanted to see just how close I could get these animals to come to me. Now you can't pet them. So, and I of course didn't want to get hurt, but that wasn't even a thought in my mind. So I sat at this bench and this kangaroo that I was talking about that was laying on its side he, I started connecting to him and just asked him, you know, come towards me. Like I'm your friend and I speak your language and, you know, just telling him how beautiful he was. And I've never had this kind of experience before. And he started walking towards me. He walked straight towards me and then walked right in front of me. I did not touch him. He did not stop, but it was one of the coolest things because I got to see, he wasn't just walking on two feet. He was using all four feet and he was like putting his front feet down and then pulling his two front hurts his two back feet forward. And he kept doing that. It was the coolest thing to watch. And he just walked right in front of me. 
I I wish I could have reached out and, and pet him, but you know, you can't do that. Uh, and then it started getting busy and people started coming up. And so I just admired him and I thought I could stay in here all day. I saw one of the full grown emus eating from a tree and I really wanted to go over and talk to him. But, you know, you're. I was also with Allison and I thought I want her to have a good experience. I don't want her to just be following me around talking to the animals all day. But I could have stayed in that Australian walkabout the rest of the day. I could go back there right now and just sit in there for hours and talk to those animals and try and get them to come to me because I think I could. I, and I bet it happens. I bet that there are people that go in there and that the animals do feel comfortable with them because I, I that was one thing that I asked most of these animals is if they are familiar with the fact that some humans can communicate with them. I don't ask it like that because they wouldn't really understand that, but I do ask it in a way that they can understand it, a simplified way. And for the most part, no. Uh, there was one animal, gosh, what was it? It'll come back to me. There was one animal that told me that that one's zookeeper, it was the lion, that what it was. The the lion zookeeper connects to the lion and doesn't realize it. So the lions will do things that the keeper asks them to do and then be enthralled with the fact that that happened because that zookeeper is talking telepathically but just doesn't realize it. But other than that, most of these animals seemed really interested in the fact that I could talk to them at least once they were done with their food. <laughs> so I have many more that I want to talk about after the break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about my friend Theo, the giraffe. This was another one of the exciting points of this journey to the Santa Barbara Zoo. I got to feed him. I got to talk to him. I got to take a picture with him. So I'm very excited to share that one. I also had a really cool conversation with a toucan that I will share with you and a few other animals. And then I do have some listener questions that were sent in that I will answer as well. So let's go ahead and take our break and we will come right back. Stay tuned, friends. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. 
Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Bridge with Samantha Jones. Have a question for Samantha or her guests, or would you like a reading? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Samantha. Welcome back to Beyond the Bridge, friends. So glad that you're here today. We're talking about zoo animals and my conversations with the animals at the Santa Barbara Zoo. So besides the Australian walkabout, my favorite part of this trip to the zoo was feeding Theo the giraffe. They have a station there at the zoo where a few times a day that you can feed the giraffes. This is the third time that I've done it, um, a different different giraffes each time. Theo actually just arrived at the Santa Barbara Zoo on June 13th. I was there, it was like a week ago. So he's been there for about a month. And um, he was the one that was doing the lettuce at this point. So what they do is you go up and you pay for the interaction and the lettuce. And then when it's your turn, you stand behind this white line and you can, you reach your hand out and the giraffe comes and takes the lettuce from you. So I'm standing in line and I'm talking to Theo already while he's getting fed by other animals. And what was cool about this was that the things that he was telling me, I was able to confirm with the zookeepers while I was having the conversation without the zookeeper even knowing. So one of the things that he told me was that he hadn't been there very long. And that he really liked this zoo. He liked this zoo because it was um, the weather was nice. He liked um, the ocean. He could actually see the ocean from where he is. And that was something that he hadn't had before. And he liked the people and this experience of being able to be fed by people. He really enjoyed that. But one of the things he was talking about, like I said, is the transporting from across the country. And my curiosity was, how they did this for him because I have seen it done a couple of different ways. And so he showed me that they got him used to it. They got him used to um, what do they call it? Conditioning where they teach him how to go into whatever they're going to be traveling in or something similar. And they, you know, slowly get them used to it, give them their favorite treats while they're in there. And, you know, they'll keep them in there for a minute and then 10 minutes and then an hour, whatever they need to do to get the animal acclimated so that they can be transported comfortably from wherever to wherever. And so they did that. He told me that they did that. And I asked the zookeeper if he was transported by car or not by car, but by truck. And if they conditioned him and those were things that she verified. The other thing that I asked him at this point was why he liked the lettuce so much. Like, what was it about the lettuce? And he told me that they, it wasn't something that they get all the time that they, well, they get it every day. But if you, I don't know if you know this, but giraffes eat like 20 hours a day. They don't sleep, but like 30 minutes and they sleep with one eye open. And so, yeah, they eat constantly. So, the lettuce is not something that they get all day long. It's just something that they get in these interactions. 
uh, and so it's like a treat. He was making me feel like it was like giving a dog a cookie. And so I asked the keeper that as well. I said, the, the lettuce, is this a treat? Like, you know, when you give a dog a bone and she said, absolutely. She said, that's why we do it this way. And then it brings them to you. Like if you just had their regular food, their hay or straw or whatever it is that they eat in mass quantities and the trees that they eat, they probably wouldn't come to you as easy, but they want that lettuce. And that's what he was making me feel. And that's what she confirmed. He also told me, and I didn't confirm this because um, I was already up giving him the lettuce when he told me this, that there w- w- he has a giraffe there, a female giraffe that he really likes and he follows her around. And um, he was just telling me how kind of infatuated he is with her. And it's one of the reasons that he enjoyed being at this zoo. This giraffe knows no different than being in a zoo. He was born and raised in a zoo. It might not be the zoo he's at now, but it's what he knows. He doesn't know any different. He doesn't know that there's wild giraffe in Africa. He has no clue. One of the things that was bothering me was that they house the lions right next to the giraffes. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like these two, uh, I, you know, you see things. I don't watch it, but, you know, there's things on TV that shows lions chasing these kinds of animals or so I thought. But apparently giraffes are really, really fast animals and can outrun a lion. And if they were confronted by one, could use their back feet to kick that lion so hard that they could kill it. So when I heard that, because I learned that on that trip, I was like, okay, it makes sense why they're housed next to the lions now, because it doesn't matter because it's not a threat. But that kind of made me feel bad. So that was a concern that I had. I didn't pick up anything from Theo on the fact that he felt like anything around him was a threat. But um, they have a train and they told us this when we went on the train. Uh, and so that made me feel better that, OK, so at least I know that this these giraffes aren't sitting there all day going oh, those lions could eat us at any moment. Makes me feel better. So that was my interaction with Theo for the most part. Um, that was a really cool experience. And if you ever have a chance to feed a giraffe, I would definitely do it. It's it's, you know, people people don't want to because they're like, oh, my hand's going to get dirty. But. The giraffe never even touched my hand with his tongue. It's just really cool. It's a very cool experience. One of the other animals that I really enjoyed talking to while I was there was a toucan. And I picked the toucan uh, because I love birds, but also because there was nobody else around except for like this one family. I think it was just two people. So I went to the opposite side of where they were standing and I started talking to him, not just in my head, but out loud. And I started telling him what a beautiful bird he was. And I asked him to come down and he was turning his head and looking at me and trying to see me because from where I was, he didn't have a full vantage point, but you could see that he was interested in me. So then those other people left. So I went around the other side and had a full vantage point of him. And I asked him to come down so that I could see how beautiful he was. And he did. He came down from high up where he was and there was a a long um, perch kind of in front of me, went from one side of the aviary to the other. And he came pretty close. And he just sat there and he looked at me while I talked to him. And I just asked him these questions. Are you happy here? Are you fed well? What do you do all day? Um, Different things like that. And he told me he is happy. He doesn't look at this as anything different than his normal life was what I was getting from it. He stays busy with still having to forage. He doesn't eat out of a bowl. They put his different foods in different places so that he does have to forage. 
There's also other creatures inside that come in to his aviary. There's little birds and mice and stuff. And so he watches those creatures. But the number one thing that that the toucan enjoys doing is watching people. So his enrichment, a lot of his enrichment comes from watching you, comes from seeing you looking at him because he's just as curious about you. These animals that are really highly intelligent and birds are very highly intelligent, they process things and they think about things. And if there's a child that comes up that is screaming, that bird might look at that child and think, what is that child screaming about? And and think these things and watch, see what's going to happen. Different things that people do, they really enjoy watching and, and, and checking out humans just as much as we enjoy them. Um, they don't look like I asked him to, if he looked at anything around him as a threat, if he felt like he was threatened in any way. And he told me that he feels very protected where he is. There's people around all the time at this zoo. It's not just during the day. They do all kinds of like overnight sleep camps and stuff. It's really cool. Like if you live in the area at all and you have kids, they have summer camps. Like I felt chipped. I'm like, I didn't get to go to zoo camp when I was a kid. I would have loved to go to zoo camp. But they have all of these different things. And and these animals really do enjoy watching the groups of people. And, you know, it's kind of like us, like they don't speak our language, so they don't really know what they're saying. But if you saw like, like, let's just say a family of four, you know, walking around, right. And you couldn't speak their language. And all of a sudden they just started getting excited about something. You'd be drawn to it too. And wanting to know what was going on. So they are drawn to certain things and certain people. And, you know, if you're just standing there watching them, they might not, but, um, this toucan, I really enjoyed talking to him. He was one of the most open to talk to. He was very interested in me and that was exciting for him to come down and get that close to me. I feel like, these animals like this, I could get in the cages with them and like a toucan. And I don't think he would do anything to me. I don't think most of these animals would because they know that I come as a friend. Some of the animals, when I would be talking to them and other people would come around, they would leave. And so I could feel that they felt like, okay, I can't, you know, carry on this conversation with other people around, probably me too, that I wasn't connected as well, but they do enjoy my point is they do enjoy the human interaction they enjoy the energy they enjoy watching you they enjoy how happy they make you they don't know why they're making you that happy they have no idea that people that are walking through there don't see animals like them on a regular basis the penguins don't know that this may be the first time that you've ever seen a penguin in your entire life So when you approach something like that and they're all happy and, and you're, or you're happy, they pick up that energy and they feel happy too. So there's a lot of different things that the animals can feel that they pick up from us, that they notice from us, that they enjoy, but really overall, from my experience at the Santa Barbara zoo, I did not come across anything that made me feel like something bad was happening here or any of these animals were being neglected or not given the proper food or care or anything. Quite the contrary. I felt like they were very, very well cared for. And I was very happy to have that kind of experience. Most of the animals, like I said, were very engaging with me. Um, The macaws were the ones that weren't. And I found that to be the funniest as I tried in two different locations. They had an indoor aviary and an outdoor place where the macaws were and they were not 
interested in me at all, which tells me that they get a lot of human interaction. And they may have even at one point been domesticated because it was just like, oh, you're a human. You're, you know, you're, you're not that exciting to us. Um, and the fact that I could talk to them didn't seem to really excite them. But there was uh, a scarlet, I think you call it an ibis or ibis in this aviary. And it was about, I don't know, 10 feet over my head on a branch. And I was looking up at him and I was telling him how beautiful he was. And I'm like, my best friend here thinks that you're super beautiful. And I'm like, well, you should come down here and show her how beautiful you are. And he would not would not come down, but he was looking at us and he was so inquisitive and he was moving around. You could see he was getting it. But it's just amazing. I had so much fun. And I really hope that my experiences have helped you to understand a little bit more about what's going on in the zoos, how the animals may feel. I only have a few more minutes here, but let me just run down a couple of things that that I have here while I have you. A couple of reasons why zoos are good. Zoos provide an educational resource. People are going to learn about animals in a zoo in a different way than they will by just learning about them online, Right. And if you go into a zoo and you see some an animal that you love and there's something there that tells you that you're polluting their environment or you're doing something to harm them, that it might educate you to stop doing that. And so zoos are trying to do those types of things. They're, they're educational. And I appreciate that. Their breeding programs um, help to with endangered species. It helps so that some of these species may not become completely extinct. And there's preservation efforts. Yes, the preservation efforts and the zoo provides protected environments for the endangered animals. So not only are they trying to bring the endangered species numbers back, but they're giving them a safe place to live because an endangered species is sometimes hunted upon. So um, and then let's see downsides of zoos real quick. If you want to look at them being in captivity as bad, there are definitely ways that this is bad, but for the most part, I think that the zoos do a really good job of making these environments interactive for them and keeping them, you know, um, mentally stimulated. And so I really don't think that we need to worry about that too much nowadays. I think that that was a big problem many years ago, but now it seems that these are getting better. I don't think that zoos are cruel. I think that some are, some may be in, you know, in places where they don't treat animals well, but from what I have learned, I really feel like for the most part, these zoos are doing a good job and they're really trying to help the animals. And especially at the Santa Barbara zoo, they were, they were very happy there. So, um, yeah, so that was my experience. So the next time that you go to your zoo, maybe you will have a little bit different of an opinion and maybe try and interact with those animals yourself a little bit. Because even if you talk to them out loud, they love that. I talk to a lot of them out loud. So, so friends, if you would like to find me, my services, you can find me at samanthajonespsychicmedium.com. Everything you need to know about me is there. You can schedule an appointment. You can find my other podcast, Spiritual Philosophy Chatter with the Joneses, that I have with my husband there and my blog. So check it out. And I will meet you back here next week. Same time, same place. I am looking forward to it as always. Until then, I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Peace and love, friends. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Bridge. We hope you will join Samantha and next week's guest for more eye-opening ways to connect to the universe. Until next week, peace and love.